Good morning and Christian greetings to each of you. It's certainly a um, joy to be here this morning and I have been blessed and encouraged uh, in, in being here. <clears throat> if I were to ask you what one word best describes God, I wonder what you would say. What one word best describes God? If anybody has a quick response, I'll take that, but I'm not going to wait for you either. Does somebody have? Indescribable. Indescribable. Awesome. Awesome. Love. Love. Okay. And I, I don't think, I don't know if there's a wrong uh, answer to this. However, as we look into scripture this morning, I do believe that uh, that maybe the one of the best words anyway, the most comprehensive word in describing God is the word holy. Um, and I've entitled this morning's message, Holy, Holy, Holy. Um, I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. Only going to read the first five verses there. As a starting point and kind of as our, our point of reference for the a message this morning. Also, I don't know if you paid attention, uh, Darren led that last song that we sung, Holy Father, um, number one in the Mennonite hymnal, at my request this morning. And I was just struck as we sung that, looking at the words of what that is saying. And I'd, not so much that I want you to go look at that now, but, but in reflecting on what the Lord laid on my heart, I would encourage you to go back and look at that. <clears throat> Isaiah 6, 1 through 5, and I'm reading from the uh, English Standard Version. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now I know that this is a rather familiar passage, or we're familiar with this uh, this account in many ways. But I want us to think this morning about that phrase, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Or here it says the Lord of hosts. So what is holiness? It's a word that I think is quite difficult to accurately define given our human limitations. 
we may think we know what it means, and yet our minds have difficulty in actually comprehending it. And I think in a lot of ways, the more we understand and the more we comprehend what holiness is, the more we see the deficiency in ourselves, just like Isaiah did in this passage. It's like, woe is me. There's, I am so unworthy. One definition of holy is that it just simply means whole, as in complete. Um, and that includes, then, the idea of not being eroded by sin, not falling apart at the seams, and not hypocritical or flawed in any way. Perfect might be another way of describing it. And so in, in this way, holiness is perfect wholeness. Um, but this also is describing God, and while perfect wholeness would describe God, um, describing God can be, or the holiness of God, can be a little bit challenging. Um, the Dictionary of Theological Terms has this description from A. A. Hodge. The holiness of God is not to be conceived of as one attribute among others. It is rather a general term representing the conception of his consummate perfection and total glory. It is, in, it is his infinite moral perfection crowning his infinite intelligence and power. Infinite moral perfection is the crown of the Godhead. Holiness is the total glory thus crowned. And I mean, that's a lot to unpack and to comprehend just in itself, but I do think it gives a little bit of a picture of what we're talking about, about the holiness of God. R.C. Sproul, in his book, The Holiness of God, describes God as being transcendently separate. Holy, in its literal definition, means separate from or set apart from. And so he describes God as being transcendently separate. Transcendence means exceeding usual limits. He's so far above and beyond us that it seems that he seems almost foreign because he's so so far removed, so separate from us, so sacred, so set apart from. And then uh, he goes on to describe the holiness of God as there's also the second dimension, that of absolute moral and ethical purity. And that is a mouthful as you think about it. Absolute moral and ethical purity. Absolute purity. And that doesn't take away from the idea of being separate, but it simply builds on the idea of being transcendently separate. And Jesus is, Jesus was, the very personification of these characteristics, of this holiness, when he walked this earth and even today. And, and so from that, I take that holy is probably the most comprehensive description of the character of God in a single word. 
Isaiah was a rather unusual prophet in the Old Testament. Most of the prophets were from humble origins, peasants, shepherds, farmers, but Isaiah was from nobility. He was a recognized statesman. He had access to kings, to princes, and the royal court. He was well-connected. God's call to Isaiah was unmistakable. There is no question of who was calling when in this passage that we just read. But as Isaiah became aware of the presence of God, of the holiness of God, he saw his own complete inadequacy, his own filth, his own unworthiness to even be there in the presence of God. And this call on Isaiah's life gives us a picture, gives us a glimpse of God's perfect holiness. Now, the English language has a number of methods of emphasizing or drawing attention to what is being written. Um, we can use bold, we can use italics, we can use underline, exclamation point, all caps, a different color. You can add adjectives or adverbs to describe um, or some combination of these. And that's how we describe uh, and emphasize certain points in our writing and our reading and so forth. But in the Hebrew language, repetition is what was used to emphasize what was important. Double usage occurs um, several times throughout the Bible as a description of emphasis. And one of those that we're very familiar of is when Jesus, speaking throughout the New Testament, says, verily, verily, I say to you, that term, verily, verily, is like, I want you to take special note of this. This is important. And so it's his way of emphasizing a statement or a teaching that he was about to make. In Sol Song of Solomon 1.1, it says the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And this indicates that this is the best of the thousand plus songs that Sol uh, were written by Solomon. And so it's a way of emphasizing this as well. There's an interesting verse in Genesis 14. <clears throat> now, in the valley of Siddim was full of bitunium pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, and the rest fled to the hill country. Now, there's a number of translations for this word pits, uh, anywhere from slime pits to asphalt pits to tar pits. Bibles are not consistent on what these pits were. So what kind of pits were they really? Well, the reason there's such a variation of descriptions of them is the literal translation from the Hebrew would be pit pits. It's, it's simply repeating itself. And these weren't ordinary pits, but pit pits. And uh, they were the pittiest pits of all, if you will. Um, and, and so falling into a pit is one thing, but falling into a pit pit is quite another uh, thing. And so this is another example of uh, the way that emphasis is placed on words in, in, in scripture. Triple usage is a lot more rare. 
Uh, we do see it several times in the Old Testament, and triple usage was used to elevate a statement to the third degree, and, which is to elevate it to the superlative or the highest degree possible. And it is attaching the emphasis of being super important. And it's interesting that in Jeremiah and the prophets, we read this several times. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I don't know the context of this. I didn't do the research. But the writer is clearly emphasizing the temple of the Lord um, in this. In chapter 22, verse 9, 29, O oh, land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. And in Ezekiel 21, a ruin, 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 I will make it. This also shall not be until he comes, the one with whom judgment belongs, and I will give it to him. So the, the writers are making the strongest emphasis possible with these this repetitive use of these words. And in Isaiah 3, verse 3 of Isaiah 6, we see the seraphim calling out to one another, describing God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And this is the only attribute or characteristic of God that is emphasized or elevated beyond the first degree. We don't read that God is love, love, love. We don't read that God is merciful, merciful, merciful. And, you know, God's love and mercy are important. They are significant. And they're frequently the attributes that we humans emphasize and tend to elevate to that highest degree. These are the attributes that we find the most appealing and maybe the least troubling. But the attributes of justice or holiness aren't nearly as attractive. The word love or charity is used in scripture about 300 times. The word holy is used about 600 times. So about twice the frequency of the word love or charity. And while God's attributes of love, mercy, justice are not inaccurate in any way, when you take any one or two of these and emphasize them over other attributes of God, it gives an unbalanced and likely faulty view of who God is. It's inaccurate and it's incomplete. But God is holy. Not only holy, not only holy, holy, but holy, holy, holy. The only other time that an attribute of God is elevated to the third degree is reported in Revelation chapter 4, 